welcome to yet another installment of Crypt Speakers, the podcast where we wonder each week if we're going to get a good episode or a bad episode. And it seems like lately we've been on a streak of bad episodes. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Jay Tyler. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love the energy that you had in yet another episode of Crypt Speakers. <laughs> Um, yet another episode of uh, Love Gone Wrong here yes. at Crypt Speaker Corner. They, the writers, and I don't know, obviously, if whoever is adapting the old uh, Tales from the Crypt comics into TV episodes, right. if they just didn't like women and they just selected all of the worst, like, comics I've been wondering and this stories. Too, like, are the ones that they're picking all do they just happen to be happen quote unquote but are all the stories that they're pulling like have all these themes of yeah of like murderous lovers and you know greed as a means for uh infidelity and murder and all this stuff like is that are they just pulling those stories because it's what's interesting to people who want to make these episodes or is that also just predominantly what these comics are And, and i've not done a deep enough dive to know you know, it's sort of a chicken egg question of like, is this just all these comics were? Because um, if so, this seems like a weird um, source material to make a whole show on. But yeah, like this season started real strong and I feel like we've been in kind of a, you oh, know, I've yeah. liked some of these episodes more than you, but um, we've been in a real, uh, I would say whirlpool of um, misogynistic claptrap. I think right here in the middle of season two. It's also really interesting because we were on a string of supernatural episodes with uh, mm-hmm. both with kind of zombies. Yeah. And now and then we had a string of really depressing episodes about infidelity and murder. Yeah, and it's, it's it's not my cup of tea. It's not really why I want to watch. Look. I am willingly watching a show with a puppet as that's like the MC. The MC of this show is a puppet who is dead. And that is what I want. That is the type of level of story that I'm looking for in Tales from the Crypt. I'm not looking for very serious um, type type of stories. Yeah, I think we're both coming in real hot because I think this episode I, I we did not talk about this beforehand. Um, but I think this episode probably at this point definitely left a uh, bad taste in our mouths in terms of just being like, holy shit, we're doing this again. Okay, here we go. Like, yep. um, and I know that EC definitely like, you know, the horror comics were big, but also like they had a bunch of crime comics. And I think that some of the choices that they're pulling, they're pulling more from the crime comics than the yeah. horror comics. It seems increasingly like there's nothing spoilers there's nothing horrific about this episode like other than like general horrific human <laughs> other behavior. than some really weird dialogue oh man oh geez okay so like <laughs> like so um last no no two weeks ago when we did um three's a crowd you admitted to having to have poor having to have pour yourself one uh yes. for that one so um in the tradition of Rotten episodes. I uh, brought myself a uh, Tecate light to enjoy um, this conversation. Grip it and rip it, man. So (laughs) I'll try not to sit up on mic too much. But uh, 
Definitely needing a little liquid courage for this one. Yes. All right. So I'd say let's just jump right into it. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the usual who directed it and who's starring in it because... They're um, nobodies. The yeah, both the director and the writer uh, don't have a whole lot of credits. And in terms of the the stars, uh, I think um, Kim Delaney um, seems to be probably the most notable of them. She's like on uh, All My Children and General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and was a big other... soap opera actress, was on uh, some cop show. but yeah, NYPD like... Blue. Uh, yeah, she was an NYPD bluer. Yep. And then there's also uh, Michael Ironside, whom uh, you may know as... Um, oh, I forget his name, but he's in Starship Troopers. He's like... Yeah, he's like he's like the, the like drill sergeant slash teacher yes. guy. Yeah. Uh, Who, like, loses G- G- his limbs. Yeah. 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 No, he's, he's great in that. He is also the voice of Sam Fisher in all the Splinter Cell games and most of the Splinter Cell games. I think he actually fell off um, doing that. So, yeah. So he's. And he is also someone that I constantly mistake for, uh, for Al from Quantum Leap. Sure. I can see that. Are you, a, little, are you a, a Quantum little bit more... Leap fan? I, you know, my mother loved Quantum Leap. It definitely is like one of those shows that like I watched with my mother. So I have like very like, nostalgia feelings towards that i have tried to go back to it a couple times um there's hilariously given our shared interest there's an episode where he leaps into a professional wrestler and the like half steps that they get to talk about professional like they try to both keep and break kayfabe in the same episode and it's really interesting oh wow i I can't remember what it's called but there's seek out the uh, professional wrestling episode of quantum leap it's hilarious especially if you're a wrestling fan I grew uh, up watching Quantum Leap, and this is why, in my head, anytime I see, um, I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, Dean Stockwell, I think is his name, yeah. and he plays mm-hmm. Al, and he, I, he's Al to me. Like that's it. Michael Ironside he's is. Just, yeah, and uh, they have very similar physicalities. Michael Ironside is just so intense in everything, um, and I think because I associate him with Quantum Leap, Dean Stockwell, I just think of as being kind of a schlubby dude and michael ironside is like somebody who i'm always afraid is gonna break I, all my fingers i just always get them confused so anytime i see sure. him i'm like oh it's al and then i'm like oh it's not yeah but anyway i finally remember i i, I almost mentioned this last time mine one of those that i always get back up in my mind i don't know why is willem dafoe and christopher walken are like basically the same person in my brain and I, I mean, Willem Dafoe looks like he could be Christopher Walken's son. Yes, no, they look they look very similar, but their acting styles are very different from each other. Oh like, yeah, I think that's like when you're like watching them, they're like, oh, you definitely know which one is which. Um, but for some reason, they have blended into one person in my brain, and I have to remind myself, no, Christopher Walken has not been in the Spider-Man movie. That's the other one. So. <laughs> Boy, we are really yep. tangenting hard early in this Whoa. one. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, to get to the episode, which is called The Sacrifice, and it is not my sacrifice as the the Creed song from the right. early early 2000s. I'll tell you uh, what it is, is, it's us sacrificing an hour to talk about this episode. <laughs> it is. It is also not the type of sacrifice that Samoa Joe will be um, expecting uh, at the following pay-per-view because you know 
they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Samoa Joe and you can see that that statement is not true. See, normally, if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you go, you have a 50-50 chance of winning, but I'm a genetic, genetic freak and I'm not normal. So you got 25% out best that beat me and then you add Kurt Angle to the mix you the chances of winning drastically go down see the three-way at sacrifice you got a 33 and a third chance of winning but I I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even gonna try so Samoa Joe you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an A and a third chance of winning at sacrifice but then you take my 25% chance chance of winning and then at the 66 and two-thirds percents, I got a 141 two-third of chance of winning at sacrifice, Senor Joe. The numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. It's uh, not that type applause. of sacrifice. No, it's not that sacrifice at all. It's um, something far less mathematical. Yes. Um, but it is a bit of a three-way when you think about it. It is a three-way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we open with the Crypt Speaker in a chef's hat. The and, crypt, uh, yes, the, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> you do the same thing I do. You keep calling him the Crypt Speaker. He's the yes. Crypt Keeper. We the are crypt the Crypt keeper. Speakers. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he has a chef hat. Uh, and he is putting some stuff in a cauldron. He says, uh, uh, putting a little bit of Eye of Newt and uh, Cobra and Whisker mm-hmm. of a Rat. I'm making a snack for a guest. Let's see. We need the blood of a goat for the sacrifice. And then uh, the Crypt Keeper looks at a goat and says, Oh, it needs to be a virgin goat. So I guess you're off the hook. <laughs> And yeah, I couldn't tell. Like, like was the goat supposed to be pregnant, or like there was supposed to be some visual clue that this I goat had done it? I didn't get a visual <laughs> cue at all, and I was yeah. very confused. It's like, okay, so you're slut shaming the goat now? That you just know w- w- what how okay. much business your goat's gotten over the time? All right, but hey, you know, at least that saved the goat. So okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was apparently. Very apparently, yeah. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, like he does notice there's a there's a note here. The crypt keeper notices the goat is pregnant. Oh. Maybe it's just the shitty transfers we were watching, but I yeah. couldn't tell you that. Yeah. At all, but look, maybe I just don't know what a pregnant goat looks like. I also think, given the episode, this has absolutely nothing to do with the episode. This As just- with all. Good signs of a great episode of Tales from the Crypt. The opening is a complete non-sequitur to what's about to happen. Yeah. Ooh, we should start making a list of, like, okay, if the episode has a cold open that has nothing to do with the episode, that means the What is the quality? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, they I mean, couldn't this, again, figure out a way to tie it back in. Again, this episode is a special class all to itself, and that the title of the episode has nothing to do with the episode, so... Yeah. And so uh, we, um, the crypt keeper that uh, is talking about how he's making this treat or whatever, and uh, this thing was going to involve the sacrifice of the goat, but he can't sacrifice the goat. Uh, but we're going to jump into the episode, which is titled The Sacrifice. Uh, and then we open with uh, some extremely law and order type of music and montage mm-hmm. of like a steady 
this guy uh, driving, and then he finally gets to his destination, which is a swanky apartment building. And he gets out of his car, gets into the elevator. Um, his name is James. We later learn. James is always to be trusted. <laughs> yes. Uh, and immediately I get some major uh, Patrick Warburton vibes from him. Ooh, an early uh, casting the crypt. Yeah, I can see yes. that. Uh, and then, so he gets in the elevator. Uh, and then he holds the elevator open for a lady. A and lady. She, she pushes the button and he says, oh, I noticed that you pushed uh, PH2 and I pushed PH1. Uh, and then she's like, yeah, so what? And he, you know, starts to try to make chit-chat, but she's not really having it. She says, so I guess you must be a salesman. And he says, yeah, I could pretty much sell anything to anyone. Um, and yet his skills didn't really get him anywhere with this girl in the elevator. And she exits at her floor, and that's that. And so James goes to visit, uh, I guess, uh, the client that he's there to see. Uh, and this this guy opens uh, the door. His name is Mr. Fielding. And I guess he, he owns the apartment. It's like a really swanky apartment. But this guy doesn't really look like he belongs there. He's just like wearing jeans and a t-shirt and has like this really thick southern accent look there's nothing wrong with jeans and a t-shirt but it's just like you see james is dressed in like a suit and he's very much trying to give off like this like certain vibe and this guy is just like looks like the most normal guy ever just like right he's he's somebody who it's that thing of like someone who has a a lot of money, but puts on the airs of someone who's extremely casual about it, at the very least. Uh, Yeah. Like, aggressively casual. Almost, like, to the extreme. Right. Like, I am so not impressed by money that I'm just, like, not gonna flaunt it at all, and yet his Mm -hmm. apartment is, like, full of, like, expensive furniture and lots of paintings, uh, and those, yep. so he sells, uh, he tells James like, oh, are you, are you impressed by this apartment? Um, oh, sorry. No. Uh, James says, oh, this is very, uh, impressive. And then yeah. Mr. Fielding, uh, gets kind of indignant. He says, impressive. It's not supposed to impress. It's supposed to awe. Are you right. awed? Uh, and J- James says, no, which is like a weird bit because he just said that he he just said oh it's impressed yeah so he's impressed but he's not odd it's it's a weird uh famously once i was going on a a hike with my wife and um there were these beautiful tall trees that were like absolutely stunning um and i can't remember how it came up but my wife said something about being impressed by them like well i wouldn't say i'm impressed by them like they're amazing but i feel like impressed like instills like some degree of creativity or something so like yeah they're he's amazing just being a but they're like, i'm not impressed right exactly i'm not especially impressed they are beautiful i am in awe that i am not impressed so maybe james maybe all james's are just uh pedants when it comes to what they mean when they're impressed or awe. not yeah uh and so he says good because i don't want to do business with someone who would just be awed by some paint and furniture 
Right. They're weirdly like, like doing this like back and forth where he's like, I'm supposed to make, put you in R. Are you in awe? And he's like, no. And he's like, good. I didn't want you to be. It's like, are y'all going to make out or what's going on? What is this back and forth you're having? Uh, and then Mr. Fielding says, only thing that ever awed me are money and pussy. And then James says, well, they do seem to attract each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Here very, we go again. Very, very cool guys having cool guy conversations. Yeah. And so then. Uh, and this is Mr. where we're Fielding... first introduced to the birds. Because I think that, like, when he's, like, talking about money and pussy, that's when the birds pipe in with it. They say the same Oh, thing. no. It happens just after. Okay. Okay. Cool. I just don't make yeah, sure miss so, the birds. Yeah. Because there's another. So it's the rule okay. of threes. He says, the sure. only thing that impresses me is money and pussy. And then he yep. says, hey, James, go to the balcony with me. What do you see? And you see, like, a sort of, like, landscape shot of L.A. That's right. He has this whole speech. Yeah. Yep, and yep. he says, he says, uh, no, it's nothing but money and pussy. <laughs> yeah. He just loves saying like, it. Okay. And so then he's like, okay, now, James, follow me. And he goes to the parrot room where he literally opens a door and there's, like, a bunch of parrots. There's, like, a little, like, tree-like structure and there's, like, at least, like, three parrots there. And yeah. he grabs one and then the parrot's like, money and pussy, money and pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I watching? This is the point where, like, so, like, between the elevator moment and this whole, like, back and forth, like, this is, like, you talked about the writing in this episode, which is uh, horrendous. Um, I think it's the appropriate word to put to it. But it's also weirdly contained in a way. Like, the way the way they're, like, pattering back and forth, it's almost like bad David Mamet or something. Like, I could see this being put on as a stage play almost. The way yeah. that, like, they're just sort of, like, in these large spaces for long periods of time and just talking and talking and just bantering with each other. And I think also, clearly, they're trying very hard to get you to dislike Mr. Fielding right from the get-go. That's sure. why he's, like, so obnoxious. Right. No, yeah, like, as we'll see, like, you know, he is, he is not long for this world, but they're, they're definitely, like, setting up, like, hey, we gotta get rid of... This guy is no good. Which is... Often how the sort of initial victims in some of these tale stories are presented is like, listen, we all agree murder's bad, but this guy you kind of want to murder, right? <laughs> like, I just had a thought. Do you think... Um, what's do that I think company... murder's bad? Yes. <laughs> what's that company that makes like essentially like a porn parody of like every movie is it the asylum a porn parody yeah uh asylum but... asylum makes the mockbusters they don't make porn parodies oh, okay i mean they're 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 different companies that make porn cuz i was parodies. thinking is money and pussy the uh porn parody version name of money penny for like a James Bond parody. Sure. I mean, I mean it's gotta be. Yeah, I mean half <laughs> the James Bond characters are already like ready made to be the porn parody name for any given character. Uh but yeah. sure. So uh, to get back to this story. Sure, um, let's get back to Yeah, and um I was very excited about the parrots, but 
you don't really see the parrots much beyond this, which I think was a damn shame. Yeah. But anyway. So then uh, Mr. Fielding takes James into his office and they start mm -hmm. uh, talking business. Um, and uh, James uh, is trying to estimate uh, Mr. Fielding's net worth. Um, he says, right. hey, is it, you know, about like a $9 million? And Mr. <laughs> Mr. F says, yeah, that's about right. And apparently, um, it, at this point, it's not really clear what James is. He's a salesman, I guess. But we don't really know what type of salesman. And we don't really know why he's there to see Mr. Fielding. And so we had this whole diatribe about money and pussy. And it turns out that the reason James is there is to sell him some insurance. So we had this super long-winded... Right extremely weird way to get to the crux of the episode, which is dude is just here to sell me some insurance. Yeah. It, it was, was summoned to sell him some insurance. I, they get into this a little bit later, but like, yeah, like he basically said, oh, I figured I probably need like a large insurance policy. And so I talked to a friend of mine to get you to come over to, like, who owns this like insurance company for the mega rich. And like, yeah, he's basically buying life insurance. Because yeah, he's supposed and to. we don't know why though, but okay. Uh, sure. And then uh, he says, "Look, like essentially, I want a good deal, and I want you to give me thirty percent, a thirty percent kickback of whatever your commission is." And James is like, uh, "Why do you need more money? You're clearly already doing fairly well as it is." Uh, and Mister Fielding is like, "Look, boy." You know how I got to swim in money and pussy and parrots? Sure as hell not by not asking for kickbacks. Um, I don't... Uh, this is sort of like you with um, not knowing what hot means. I have no idea what the scheme is here. I don't understand how you make money off of buying an insurance policy. Yeah. Uh, like, it's murky at best. And also 30% yeah. of what? Right, it just it's like, doesn't I, seem like it minutes, be... I want thirty percent of your commissions. Like, okay, so you're paying us money to get an insurance policy, which I'm going to get paid for, but then in turn, you want thirty percent of the money that I'm supposed to be making. It's like, why? It's why your do money. You want... Yeah, it's your. <laughs> just keep your money. <laughs> like, why are you getting this? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, you're not. You're you're giving away money to make money off of me. You're just being mean to me for no reason. Yeah. Um. I'm glad we were both confused on this because I was very much like, why, why are you buying it? Why are you doing this scam? Like, this seems like a bad. Because otherwise we wouldn't have an episode. Right. We, he, he can't have any actual altruistic motive of like, well, you know, I want to leave money for somebody, but like, yeah, no, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where like immediately I'm like, I don't understand the scheme at all. I don't understand he what you're doing. Just gone to geico.com or i guess back in those days it would have been aol keyword geico um uh, yeah sure <laughs> although yeah i don't think that aol was a thing back in 1990 i would say i, I you know <laughs> not to pull my own horn uh we had internet pretty early at our house but i don't know if we had Ooh. it in 1990 oh wow we were a prodigy family yeah yeah, I don't think we got internet or a computer till till like nineteen ninety five. Because mm. I remember that Windows ninety five, baby. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, anyway. no, I, so I was so bad with computers for so long. Like, we definitely had internet pre-Windows 95. Oh, wow. Um, but, like, I didn't understand that the internet was anything except for portals that you could look at through Prodigy and then later AOL. Like, I didn't understand that, like, websites were a thing for a mm-hmm. long time. Oh. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just remembered that he... <laughs> This is another place where this guy, Mr. Fielding, makes a really bad joke uh, when James is like, oh, you don't really need any more money. And Mr. Fielding is like, uh, like, I didn't get to be this rich by like not making these like weird circuitous type of deals. But he says, this is why I live here and you live in Marina del Yuck. (laughs) Wow, sick burn. Yeah, just. Really going for him. What is Demi Moore here all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, James says, no, I can only do 20%. And then uh, Mr. Fielding says, look, if you don't want to do 30, then I'm just going to go to another company uh, that will do it for me. Which, again, I just think like 10%, like it can't be that much, but like, okay. Um, and so James decides to take the deal and he's going to do it for and give him the 30% kickback. And just when they've made the deal, just when they've done the deal, a uh, hot girl uh, from the elevator comes in and it turns out she's married to Mr. Money and Pussy. She is Mrs. Money and Pussy. Uh, and her name is Gloria Fielding. Uh, and so immediately James is like, oh, hello. <laughs> I fancy seeing you here. Uh, and they start having kind of like chit chat. And she's like, oh, what about your girlfriend? And he's like, I don't have one. Oh, what about your house? Where do you live? And he's like, I live in a boat. <laughs> and she's like, oh, really? What's the name of your boat? Uh, and he says, money and pussy. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> no, it's called the why not. <sighs> And then she says, oh, isn't that a cute name? Uh, And Mr. Fielding says, sure. When I heard it like three times, 300 times ago. (laughs) It's like, ooh, another sick burn. Yeah, just, again, being rude for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Ratcheting up his unpleasantness. To be fair, to be fair, the why not is... Kind I'm of, not arguing it's uh, a great name for a boat or a special yeah, original. Um, exactly. I'm just saying Mr. Felding's a dick is all, is all I'm getting at. Uh, and so they do the deal and then the next thing uh, we cut to a marina which we can only assume is Marina del Yuck. And right. uh, Mrs. Fielding is uh, walking down the pier and goes to the boat, knocks on, I guess, the why not. And James is like, oh, fancy seeing you here again. And I love uh, <laughs> that uh, houseboats in the shows from this era are just like code for, this person has nothing left to lose. This person is <laughs> just at the bottom of the barrel. Like, uh, Lethal Weapon does that. Uh, he lives on a houseboat in that movie. Mel Gibson's character does. And it's like, like, what's wrong with living on a houseboat? Sounds pretty sweet to me. Yeah. Uh, a, a film uh, very much in the vein of this, Serenity, is all about a guy who lives on a houseboat. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's terrible. Um, but in 
fascinating ways. Oh, I'm sorry. I think something uh, is happening and my dog Maya is barking. So apologies if you hear any barking. Maya we'll making see, a guest uh, appearance. <laughs> our first our first crypt barker. Yes. Um uh, and so it turns out that she's there to try to get some intel, some info. Uh mm-hmm. James says, like, oh yeah, I'm not surprised to see that you made your way here because most wives tend to come see me after their husbands make changes to their insurance policies. Uh, I guess to get dirt on them, get some info to see, like... Well, and, and also find out if they are the sole beneficiary of the insurance Oh, policy. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically, are they going to benefit if their husband dies solely? Yeah. How much, how, much, how much do they actually stand to benefit from him dying? Uh, and then, so she's looking for that info and she says like look i can be very good to you if you give me some info and so then they proceed to have some uh, very steamy uh money and pussy type of sex so this is and... where i have to admit i watched this episode while i was working out at the gym <laughs> uh, and when this sequence started i was like oh no no one look over here i promise this is not pornography it's on yes. youtube this like, is I pro- how I felt when I was watching Gone Girl on a plane and yes. there was a very questionable scene, scene yeah. with yeah. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and uh-huh. um, was it a piano chord? Yeah, huh? Uh, was... Fun fact, I saw that movie in a theater with my mother. <laughs> so, that was fun. Uncomfortable. <laughs> But yeah, also very uncomfortable to see that on a plane. Yes. Um, but yeah, if I had been in a public space and the scene had come on, I would also have been very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and no, it's, it's like, it's oh, pretty... I guess this is why this is on HBO. Yep, yeah, this definitely passes the, would this be on, Money and Pussy said literally about five times in this episode aside. Yes. This is definitely like in the the uh, package of shows that could have only been done on HBO in 1990. Uh, and so after they do the deed, uh, they um, they have some pillow talk, and James is like, "Well, um, it looks like your hobo is gonna live until he's like a hundred. So unless something happens to him, which is hilarious, because like, I mean, no offense to the man, he does not look like a person." Who's heading for a hundred? No, uh, his not body at looks all. like it's breaking down. Yeah, but you know, apparently he's very healthy, right? And well, so he's guess. like, he's like, unless, uh, and Mrs. Fielding is unless. like, <laughs> exactly, uh, and she's like, uh, are you trying to sell me something? Are you trying to sell me on like an accident? Uh, and he's like, yes, let's do it. Uh, you're all I ever wanted, because she's essentially like, well, what's in it for me? And he essentially just convinces her to do, um, you know, she would inherit all the money and then they could be together and get married or whatever, be together forever. And honestly, it doesn't look like it takes that much convincing for her. And she goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we fast forward to, I guess, a few. Actually, I don't know how long after this happened, if it's a few weeks, a few days later, however long it takes to, I guess, get 
a new insurance life insurance policy together. That's how mm. uh, long happened, or yeah, how long between that scene and this scene. Uh, and I guess James comes by, uh, and he has a envelope full of money, which we assume is the thirty percent kickback uh, that Mister Fielding needed. Um, and there, he's there to celebrate. <laughs> which, like, yeah. I guess that's what people do when they get new life insurance. When they have, they when they have a multi-million dollar life insurance policies, it's like, oh, let's break up with the bubbly. Yeah. Which, I guess, I don't know. I'm not rich. I guess maybe that's what rich people do. Somehow yeah, I, mean, I doubt I, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a... I mean, Mr. Felding doesn't do anything normal, but this is definitely like... Uh, like his, I'm going to pay you so you can give me money scam. Uh, this is another odd step in his whole plan. Yep. Insurance party! Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, they opened some... Uh, some bubbly and James is like, hey, uh, Mr. Fielding, how about we go to your lovely balcony? Uh, but before anything can happen, uh, he just pushes Mr. Fielding down the balcony and down he goes. And I guess nobody was watching because he just falls to the ground and maybe like a couple people that just happen to be walking by just kind of look, but like Nobody really seems to suspect anything. This yeah, or have makes, seen anything. Supposedly that makes murder seem very easy. Yeah, uh, and so the next scene we kind of see the parrot for a right. brief moment. And to right. be fair, I thought, oh, so is this gonna be one of those cases where like the parrot saw the, the crime? Solve this thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, if you're familiar with Echo the parrot. Only he... Echo I know is uh, Echo the dolphin. Oh. <laughs> well, Echo the parrot is a real life parrot who was. Ooh, is this our famous animals? Uh, yes, this is a uh, crypt from the animals. Animals from the crypt. Right. I don't know what to An- call this animals, segment. Crypt's favorite animals. <laughs> Yes, and so uh, there actually was a real-life uh, parrot. Uh, his name was Echo the Parrot, and he allegedly was in the witness protection program because he uh, had been the witness. He he His owner was like a crime boss in New Orleans, I believe, and he had been the witness of like several crimes. Oh, and my God. But the thing is that, like, an animal can't be in the witness protection program, so... The, yeah, they're, are they going to give the animal another name <laughs> well, and move it to a new city? It was something like um, a wildlife rescue, uh, not even an organization, but just a person that just dedicated herself to rescuing parrots, happened to get the parrot. Uh, mm. And gave it a new name and the only way that the that this story kind of came out is because she told someone in like the early days of the internet i think and then somebody put that story online so again take this with a grain of salt sure about echo the parrot but there is uh allegedly a parrot who was um i guess a witness to a crime other right. though, uh, there's another parrot uh, story <laughs> of another parrot that was um, 
witness to a crime that's actually much more interesting than Echo, uh, which happened in 1993, also, I believe, okay. in uh, in California. So I think it's interesting because uh, sure. this obviously was written in 1990 and then this story is from 1993. So I wonder, like, how do they how do they know? I wonder right. if this was also a thing back then that more people were aware of. But this story in 1993, uh, it was another parrot uh, named Max. And her owner, um, I believe, had been murdered. And uh, the person who was, um, I guess, charged for her death, his lawyer found out that the parrot kept on saying, no, Richard, no, no. Oh, huh. Uh, and so the lawyer wanted to use that as evidence that uh, his client didn't do the murder. Uh, but the judge ended up ended up ruling that it couldn't be admitted as evidence in court. And so they did, didn't end up using that. Mm. So <laughs> this has been your... Uh, Animal corner. Yeah, animal of, uh, fun animal facts. Uh, that yeah, was very real, that was very interesting. Yes, real very, parrot crime stories. Yes, maybe we should pivot to be a true crime parrot podcast. <laughs> oh man, I there probably hasn't been a podcast about that. I <laughs> thought there wasn't one about this show, but there are like four. So, oh no, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, parrot parrots ahoy next week. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so even though they kind of zoom in on the parrot, absolutely nothing happens with that, the parrot. That, yeah, and, just, just check out this bird. My yeah, bird. and so there, uh, James and uh, Gloria are celebrating and they're making plans and they're kind of thinking through the next step. So uh, she says, okay, so we stop seeing each other for a while and then you come back to the apartment and ask me if I need help with my insurance and I say yes and then we start talking and we go on dates and then we're engaged and then we're married uh so she kind of lays out this whole like timeline of how they're gonna do things and they're about to start having some money and pussy when someone knocks at the door uh and it's Al I mean uh Michael <laughs> uh Michael Ironside, Ironside. Michael Ironside. yes uh, and he is, uh, his name here is Jared. Uh, let me yes. look at my notes. Um, yeah, Jared, I believe. Jasper. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So Jared comes up. Jerry. Jerry? Jasper. It's Jasper. Okay. Jasper. Okay. All right. Um, Jasper. Yeah. And I would also like to say that this is two thirds of the way into the episode that they were introducing a new character. Uh-huh. Oh, and right before this though, uh, the police have a little interview with Mrs. Fielding and they're like, Hey, did you know that your husband took out a 10 million life insurance policy, uh, right before he died and you're the sole beneficiary. And she's like, Oh no, I didn't know that. Did he? And he's like, actually no. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like well he never signed it and she's like oh okay well anyway well and then they and then they admit like like so they're having this conversation james is there um 
We skipped over something I want to talk about. So James is like overhears this conversation because he's like hiding. But he was hidden. Yeah, he was. Right, he was hiding. Yeah. And so he's hiding and he hears this conversation. And then they come and like after they leave, he comes out. He's like, well, thank God he didn't sign that because if he had done that, we would have been, it would have been more, you would have had more motive for being involved in this killing. So now they don't have any reason to suspect you for anything. And so I'm like, what is this scheme? No one's scheme makes sense in this uh, episode. Um, Because I guess now she just inherits his money? Yeah, she just inherits his money, which again, yeah, like the insurance was a total like non-entity from the start. It's just how James gets into these people's lives. Yeah. Um, But, but I, we have to point out, um, and you may have mentioned this, but when, uh, Jasper comes over to their house. James is the one who opens the door, showing that he's very bad at being low key about being there. Yeah. Like they're having sex, and then there's a knock on the door, and James goes to answer the door. I'm like, why are you answering the door? Like, you're not supposed to be there. Like, you're supposed to act like you don't know each other. That's their whole scheme. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll not see each other for a couple weeks, then we'll meet each other, and then we'll run off with all the money that you've inherited. But let and me then open imme- the door. And then immediately screws the whole plan by opening the door when his boss is there. Yeah, and and so, yeah, this is his boss. His name is Jasper, and it turns out that he introduced uh, Gloria to Mr. Fielding. And that's how they got together. But then he goes on this super long diatribe about how he was in love with Gloria and just so obsessed with her that uh, after she got married to Mr. Fielding, he bought the apartment right across from them and that he just like looks at her every day and takes pictures of her through the balcony. Um, I will say this is really creepy. Yeah, this is all really creepy. I will say all of this stuff is st- still has the same overwrought um, dialogue to it. It is, is very like cheapo um, American crime story style. Like, like I said, like mammoth. It's uh, very like, like exposition, mammoth. exposition, exposition. Right. And, and just sort of like going through like all that. Um, I think Michael Ironside's really good in this episode. I don't know where you fall on that. Like, I think he, he is operating on a level Everybody else is sleepwalking through this episode, and he's like keyed into like what makes this guy tick in a way that I'm like, okay, I I get his angle on all this, and I get like, whereas like Sebastian Fielding when he's like for like Mister Fielding when he's first introduced, that guy just sucks, and like there's no like grounding for you being like this isn't a real human being, this is just a caricature of a rich asshole. Whereas like Michael Ironside's character, who is creepy and unsettling. But he sells that in such a way that I'm like, okay, this is a guy who's been obsessed with this woman. I and just is think trying... that's just him, though. Right. I just think that's just his energy. <laughs> no, yeah. right. I think it's just, I think he, you know, he, but he just brings it here in a way that everybody else does not. And so that might just be good casting, but whatever, whatever the reason, like, it, his character is like the one saving grace. Like, when he comes in, I'm like, okay, now we're cooking with something. Um, but like you said, we're already two thirds through this thing and we're careening towards the end. Yeah, and so he says, like, look, I took pictures. I have pictures of uh, James pushing Mr. Fielding off the balcony. And if you want to keep me quiet, you're going to have to do as I say. 
except I don't want any money. I want to share Mrs. Fielding. Right, I don't want to be in a non-consensual throuple with you two. Because women are things in this show. Yep. Um, And and so, yeah, he says, like, let's share. I get her from dusk till dawn, and you can get her for the rest of the time, which, like, ugh, gross. Yeah. And so um, I guess they kind of agree, and then we cut, and it's, like, three months later, and Mrs. Fielding comes in, and she's just, like, completely disheveled. Her makeup is runny. Her hair is all just, like, wild. And she just, like, collapses on the floor uh, as soon as she opens the door. And James is like, oh, no, what happened? And she said, oh, just the things that Jasper is making me do. He made me go into a grocery store and find two random people and pay them uh, so that they watch us have sex. And it's like, oh, okay, I could. I, I think the implication was that they were, like, homeless people. Like, it was, oh, okay. like, yeah, it was real... Real and it's like, look, we are not here on. to kink shame, but also, I mean, there's no part in, of this that is consensual, it seems, at this point. Yes, uh, I think that, that's a big like, asterisk to ask here, yeah. I feel like the the subtext here is essentially, like, very rapey, and I'm not comfortable with it, and I don't like that they just kind of gloss over how gross it is. They just kind of... Yeah, it's, it, it definitely, like, gets into the worst uh, writing traps of, like, just leaning into a, a, a un, like, an undeniable rape scenario that is being what's presented and, like, clearly yeah. doing it for the shock value of the situation. Yeah, it's, like, one of those things where it feels like, okay, it's the last five minutes of the show. We really got to go for it. And so they go for it. Um, and right. so she's very distraught and then James says, well, what can I do to help? And then she says, nothing. There's nothing you can do to help because, you know, Jasper has us by the balls, I guess. And that this is it. This is just life now. And then the next thing we see, and again, this is one of those things where it's like, it almost feels like, oh no, I'm almost running out of, out of pages and I need to turn in yeah. my homework. And so they just try to get everything in, in the last five minutes. And so... After they have that conversation, uh, we see James in his boat, and he is about to die. He's, like, on his deathbed. Looks like he uh, took, like, 48 sleeping pills or something like that. And he's clutching a note in his hand, and Mrs. Fielding comes in, and she's like, Oh, no, James, what did you do? And he says, Oh, I did this for you, and I wrote this note, but this should, uh, this should set you free. And in the note, he confesses to having killed Mr. Fielding. And he says, like, Mrs. Fielding had nothing to do with it, which is exactly what someone would say if someone had something to do with it. Yeah, it's, it's weird to call that. It's like, oh, I did this all on my own. That lady had nothing to do with it. It's like, that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I also, know you you're... weren't wondering, but... Yeah, also... You picked maybe the like easiest way to secretly kill somebody by suicide. Um, so great plan, James. And then, uh, so she takes the note and then she burns it. She and burns it. Like, what? 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 Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Mm-hmm. And uh, she leaves the boat and gets into a car. 
and Jasper is there. And it's like, oh, ha ha ha, how we played him for a fool. He did exactly what we wanted him to do all along like a puppet. And then that's it. That was the episode. And it's just like, what? <laughs> so I guess Gloria, Mrs. Fielding, and Jasper wanted to be together, but they wanted the money. And so they found this very convoluted way to get this guy involved so that he would convince Mr. Fielding to take out a life insurance policy. And then she would kind of convince James to kill him so that right. they can then be blackmailed so that James could then kill himself so that they then could be together forever. Which just raises the question, why didn't you just what? kill him yourself? I don't I don't understand why this whole Yeah. What, what benefit just, there is. It's just a very convoluted I mean it story. kind of plays into like the the like, I don't know if, like, it's just, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you didn't need to do all this, but it's, like, the <laughs> process of, ru of like, killing this one person and ruining somebody else's life to the point where they decide to kill themselves. Like, is that just, is that part of it for you? Is that is that your kink? Because, as you said, Jesse, uh, Crip Speakers is not um, here for kink shaming. But we are going to kink shame if your kink is uh, murder. I think that's why I, I do feel comfortable kink shaming somebody for. Yeah, this is true. It, if your if your kink is is uh, is causing someone else to suicide, um, no bueno. And it just I also am a little iffy on the timeline because like okay mm -hmm. at least we know three months happened or like transpired at the end of the episode, but right. the from the time that James meets Mrs. Fielding to the time that they like create the policy and then decide to like do this scheme like it doesn't seem like right. that much long like that like i said there are like maybe a total of six scenes in this episode <laughs> and more than half of those are in mr fielding's apartment like it's a very contained sort of like and all i this don't want to say around this one spot i don't want to say that the show needs to be longer Cause oh god no, no. The, heavens no the, the <laughs> Please, episode no. needs to be shorter to the point of not existing <laughs> and yet and yet I sure. think that this show suffers from it being less than thirty minutes and so it's really hard to tell a story in less I will than thirty say, minutes. Yes. I do. I think that as much as like I think that um, I agree. I agree with both the statements you're making of like I don't need any more of the story. But it's almost like this has like playing into the tension of the different beats of this thing definitely plays more to being a um, movie than a 30 minute episode of a thing. Uh, which, you know, as we always say, like all these episodes are short movies, um, but this one just needs a little bit more time if you're really going to like sell. All I just kind of I just kind of think that Tales from the Crypt, the TV show should be an hour long even though i do believe yeah. that i don't want more i don't want to watch right. a one hour episode but i still think that pretty much the entire series like every episode needs to be an hour because like there is no way that you can really tell these types of stories in less mm -hmm. than 30 minutes 
not not ones that are this character dependent. I think that there's some episodes, there's some episodes that are plotted better than others, and I think the ones that we like are the ones that like play with that plot and like move in a way that benefits yeah. from not not necessarily benefits, but at least like recognizes. Okay, here's the time I have. Here's the like things I need to establish. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Um, uh. Um, what is the the bad voodoo one? Not, I, I think it's actually a good episode, but like, I think that's a great example of an episode where it's like economy of scale, knowing how much time you have, there's no wasted moments, there's no, um, there's not over long sex scenes. Like, this episode is just poorly, pl- like, uh, plotted oh, yeah. uh, in that way. Till death, which was, I think, two till death, ago. yes, right, till death, yeah, um, which I, I enjoyed quite a bit um and i think a large part why i enjoy is that that episode just moves and there's no question like at any time what's going on or what the stakes are why why things are happening um this episode like has major plot problems but also spends a lot of its time showing you like just salacious like look glances at each other it's like we don't have time for that like we don't have time for you to be like low grade Cinemax at this point, <laughs> you've got to like sell this, make clear the motives of these characters. Michael Ironside needs to come in like ten minutes earlier than he does. Like you need to just move yeah. through this plot. Uh, it kind of reminds me. It reminds me of uh, an episode of Bob's Burgers where Linda tries to put together a murder mystery, uh, uh-huh. like play. And she starts off by saying, it's not the butler. And then at the <laughs> end, at the end, she's like, does anybody know who did it? It was me, the butler. Right. And then people are like, what? You said from the beginning it wasn't the butler. And then she's like, oh, it was misdirection. And it's like, no, that's just shitty writing. And right. it's <laughs> kind of the same thing here where it's like you introduce this character at the very end and then it turns out that it was this guy all along. Like, I feel like you can't do that. You have to introduce Chekhov's gone from the beginning. Right. right. And and they kind of like there are like little hints of it earlier. Like when when um, James mentions his boss, yeah. uh, we, we, I, we have to talk about the actual final moments of this episode before we get like even deeper into talking about well, how much of a stinker this episode is. Um, but we actually do get a final payoff for all the parrot stuff in that, like we cut back to the apartment and the parrots there and oh, he, yeah. and he, and the parrots reciting like basically the moments of when Felding is being murdered. So the parrots did hear and can like recite like those specific moments. But again, that all happens after all the action, like guess what? They can just kill that parrot. Like, there's no, like, it's not one of those things where, like, a cop's gonna walk by yeah. and be like, what'd that bird say? Like, there's, there's no danger there. It's just a weird moment, which then which... transitions. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that then transitions into the hardest I've laughed in any episode of Tales from the Crypt yet. When we get to our outro, and after this episode, which I th- is a real low. Um, even by this the show standards of just a, a turd burger of an episode, um, we cut to the crypt keeper hanging himself. Which yeah, I was like, yeah, me too, buddy. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yep, like uh, just a real a real mood here at the very end. And so about the parrot repeating what he heard, 
Uh, that's actually something that happened uh, with this uh, parrot case in California that I was talking about earlier. Sure. One of the other reasons why they didn't end up using the parrot's testimony is because a, a parrot cognition and language expert uh, said that although uh, birds can rely can be reliable tape recorders uh, of things that they overhear, uh, they would probably actually need to hear something more than once to accurately repeat it. Interesting. So that's that's another reason why they decided not to use their parrot uh, testimony. Right. Uh, and right. So that, that, for, that, that, you have to train the bird to say it, or it has to be something that they've at least yes. heard multiple times. Yes. Interesting. Uh, and so from the perspective of this episode, then technically, well, actually, uh, the parrot wouldn't be able to just repeat it from having heard it once. You're telling me that Tales from the Crypt is all just lies. <laughs> That, like, yes, all these I'm birds, sorry. all these bird facts. Uh. But now you know. Yeah, now I know. And so, yeah, that was it. That was uh, this week's episode. So, that's the episode. It ends with the Crypt Keeper trying out suicide, uh, which, again, big mood. Um, Ceci, we've talked about it all episode, but is this one a keeper or a stinker? Let's say it on three. Oh, one, no. two, three. Stinker. Yep, stinker for sure. I just, I think I'm, I'm learning that I tend not to like the episodes that don't have a supernatural element to them. Yes, I generally agree with that. I think the one exception to that is All Through the House has no real supernatural, but it's still a horror story. I think that yes. that's the differentiator on that one is that, yes, there's, there's, like, there's everything in that can plausibly happen, but it's a serial killer story. So there's some degree of like, okay, I still recognize this as a horror trope that's going on here but no i i agree i strongly prefer the uh, the episodes that have some supernatural element at least somewhere to grab onto um that uh elevates it for me as well um yeah. or if you're gonna do something like this at least have a character have a likable character please please i know again that right? this is a lot pulling from the source material but like comparing this to the last episode we watched um the the Miguel Ferrer episode, uh, the hero of that story, like he's kind of uh, glasses as we called him, is kind of a dope. But you you're rooting for him at the very least. There's no one to root for in this episode, and so oh, you're it just rooting makes it... for uh, Terry Hatcher too. Right, exactly. You're rooting for her to get out of it. You're rooting for glasses to to figure out something, even though you know he's doomed from the start. But you like him. You like them as a couple. And so there's like something for you to grip onto. Like, okay, I hope these kids make it, or I hope something happens here, and I hope Miguel Ferrer gets his. This episode is just a bunch of assholes. Yeah, and it was the same problem with the episode that we saw uh, two episodes ago. uh, With like, there was (laughs) there were absolutely no likable characters. Oh, Three's Um, a Crowd is still like the absolute bottom of the barrel. Like, I would still watch this episode. This episode at least has a twist. It has something, or I guess that episode has a twist, but like this episode has like Michael Ironside, like bringing the heat. Like it's got stuff in it that like, and I'd be like, okay, three is a crowd. I'm still mad about that episode. Um, but yeah, like I think that it's a, um, this is definitely in that same ballpark of that, of just like, I don't care what happens to any of these people. They could all fall off this building and I'd be okay. Um, and I think yeah. you just need that. You need something to grip onto. 
I also think, uh, like if you've ever been to a, a genre film festival, um, personally, I tend to gravitate, like there's always like kind of like tracks. You have like your horror, you have crime, thriller, sure. mystery. Um, and I always tend to really pretty much ignore anything that's crime or thriller related. It's just not my jam. I'm much sure. more into like horror, supernatural stuff, zombies, or, you know, serial killers, like, um, right. what else? Like ghost stories, monsters, that type of genre. I'm not really into the like, humans are the worst monsters of all. Like, that's just not right. my thing. And I think and I, and that's I, exactly what happens here in Tales from the Crypt is that all the episodes that have that are actual monsters of the week type of episodes I'm here for. And the episodes that are like, oh, yeah, my wife cheated on me and then killed me for the insurance money. Like, meh, it's not my I'm thing. Genuinely shocked, I'm genuinely shocked how many episodes are that. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I, like I like you, you, you said it up front. You hit the nail on the head. There's a show that every episode opens up with a talking skeleton, and that is often the weirdest thing in every episode of Tales from the Crypt, is that there's a and talking clearly, skeleton that, like, introduces it, and then, like, Clearly, outros. if I'm watching the show, it's because I want more talking skeletons, not Right, less. there should be at least ten walking <laughs> skeletons in every episode of Tales from the Crypt, I think would be the recipe yes. of our perfect episode of Tales from the Crypt, would be, like, just... Replace all the, like, I mean, I guess technically all people are, in fact, talking skeletons. Um, but I think that, yes, I agree. And I'm curious to see, I'm still in it for the long haul. Um, because I'm just, yeah. I'm curious to see if this show ever actually settles we've into. We've gone too far. We've gone too far at this point. We can't not know if they ever figure out, oh, people are coming to this for the weird stuff. Not bargain basement noir stories that aren't as good as like other places where you can get something like that. Um, but yeah. And so do you have any, uh, casting the crypt? Um, do I have any casting the crypt for this one? Yes, I did have, um, one idea pulling a sassy here. Um, nice. I wanted to think about if I could cast, this whole episode of um, casting the crypt using only actors from It's Always Sunny. Oh, um, nice. And so um, I think uh, for the necessary chemistry that you would need, I think the two leads would have to be um, Glenn Howerton and Caitlin Olsen, uh, I mm -hmm. think would, would, would do well. Um, Dan DeVito would be Mr. Felding. Um, uh, yes. And then... And, and so then I'm, and then I'm stuck between is Jasper played by Charlie Day or Rog, uh, or Mac? Um, and I, I, I guess I lean more towards Mac because I feel like Charlie Day is not intimidating in any way. So I don't feel like I could buy him in that role. Um, so that, that would be my, my, the four that I pull from there. And then Charlie Day, I guess, could be the cop that interviews them. If you want to See, have the whole feel, cast in there. I feel like, um, Dennis would need to be Jasper for me. Okay, I mean, yeah, because he's you more definitely go that way too. Menacing, but more, honestly, yeah. honestly, 
I think that that combo is still very solid. I, yeah. I like this idea a lot. Yeah. So that that was my thinking on that. Yeah, honestly, I don't have anything because I found this so uninspiring. So, like, other than Patrick, you wouldn't inflict this on anybody. On yeah. that's about all I had. So yeah, that's good. That's fine. Uh, well, Sessie, we've done it. We watched another episode of Tales from the Crypt. We griped we about it. it. Survived. Um, so let's. Uh, Call it a day, wrap it up, uh, turn off the lights, all that nonsense. Um, thank you for listening, you listener at home. Uh, we appreciate every listen that we get. We love you. Um, and if you could spread the word of the show, if you like it, let folks know. If you, you know, go to Apple Podcasts, give us some ratings, give us some stars, give us a review. Um, five stars would be great. Um, but just honestly, word of mouth, tell folks, hey, you want to hear two people grapple with a horror show from the early 90s that seems to be more interested in just depicting the depravities of human life? Check out Crypt Speakers. It might be up your alley. Um, uh, you can check uh, out our website at cryptspeakers.com. You can check us out on the Bird app at Crypt Speakers. I'm also on the Bird app at J the Cake Thief. Sessie, where can folks find you online? Uh, you can check out sessy.dev uh, for uh, all stuff related to, I guess, if you're really interested in some tech blog posts. Yeah, if you want to see Sessy just kick ass and talk in tech, uh, that's that's the place to, to get at it. I want to thank Molly Fancher out of Russia for our theme song, Mr. N. You can check them out on Bandcamp, throw them some bucks. Um, and hopefully next time we'll have a better one for you, but until next time, kitties!